Hey, Coach Arlen here. What do Walt Disney, Andrew Carnegie, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Edison, and FDR all have in common? They shared one secret that propelled them to achieve remarkable success. They each belonged to a mastermind group. If you've never experienced the power of a mastermind group, now is your opportunity. Join my business success mastermind group today. New cohorts are starting soon. To learn more, go to ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. The Courage to Lead, episode 207. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Arlen here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Drew Jackson. Drew Jackson is a John Maxwell certified coach and human behavior consultant and a lead now model 360 consultant. Drew helps to create the kind of leaders team members love to follow. He worked with such clients as Chick-fil-A, Colonial Bank, Habitat for Humanity, among others. He uses tools and training to help increase revenue, boost morale, and retain top talent. Drew is also the author of The Executive Leader's Handbook, a guide for the daily challenges of leadership. Drew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Harlan. It's a, it's a joy to be here today. Yeah, no, it's good to have you on, man. I've been looking forward to the conversation. So whereabouts are you located? I'm in Fort Worth, Texas. Very nice. Love yeah, Fort, Fort Worth, Dallas. not Dallas. You know, yes. we got to we got to make that differentiation. <laughs> have to make that and uh, we are the fifteenth, fourteenth, or fifteenth largest city in the nation. So we, you know, we got our own uh, our own thing going on. Dallas is like eight or nine, but we don't care about that. That's no, okay. No, leave them off to the side. Absolutely, <laughs> Fort Worth is cool. Very, very cool. All right, um, I want to talk about uh, kind of how you got your start. Uh, talk about who you work with, how you help them. Um, we'll talk about your book, some of the other stuff you have going on. But first. Before we get started, I have 10 questions that I ask every one of my guests. Yeah. Uh, listeners of the program know that these are the questions <laughs> made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So if you're ready, 10 questions, sir. All right, I'm ready. All right, question number one, what is your favorite word? My new favorite word is oleaginous. Okay, it's that word because my wife said I said unctuous too much. I like to cook, and when I'm when I'm describing the food, I'm like, oh, it's unctuous. You know, it's rich, it's flavorful, it's delicious. And she's like, you use that word entirely too much. So I said, okay, I'm gonna find a more obnoxious word than unctuous, and I found oleaginous. So there you go. And it means essentially, uh, essentially same, same thing. thing. It's it's okay. it's rich, it's fatty, it's it's uh, flavorful, delicious uh, food. Uh, you're, you're speaking my language. Love it. All right. What is your, least <laughs> I'm in Fort Worth, Texas, you know, so that's, so we, we like oleaginous food around here. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Question two, what is your least favorite word? Oh, I'm trying to think of least favorite word. Um, um, I know. Okay. It's two words. I know when my teenagers say it back to me, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Very good. All right. What turns you on? Um, uh, cool air in the morning. I like to, I like to get outside and, and exercise and that just gets me fired up and going in the morning. Nice. All right. What turns you off? Um, whining and complaining. Excellent. <laughs> uh, what sound or noise do you love? Um, I like, uh, brown noise in my noisemaker that I have while I'm sleeping. Nice. Love that. All right. What sound or noise do you hate? The dog's barking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Question seven. What is your favorite curse word? Um, it rhymes with hit. <laughs> How about okay. that? That works. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I, I don't know if I'd want to do this as a profession, but I, I'd give it a shot. And it would be um, a, a, like a bulldozer operator. I just... Sometime in my life, I have to be on a bunch of land, get a bulldozer and just move earth. It just, it's, I don't know what it is, but that's, that's a dream for me. There's a, an adult playground up in North Georgia where you can actually go and drive tractors around all day. I, yeah. Yeah. I need, cool. I need to do it. All right. Question nine. What profession would you not like to do? 
Um, my wife's an accountant and I have no desire to be an accountant. It's just not my thing. 100%. Absolutely. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well, I mean, what every uh, person that's ever read the Bible would like to hear is well done, good and faithful servant. So, so that we'll start with that. Very good. Very cool. All right, Drew, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about how you got your start, um, your experience working with John Maxwell as uh, one of the uh, consultants there and some of the other work that you've done, um, some of the companies you work with, and we'll talk about your book. And at some point, point, we'll transition into courage and leadership, right? Perfect. Cool. All right. We're going to talk about all of that and more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Drew Jackson. Drew, thanks again for being on the podcast. I've been looking forward to this conversation. So I know you're a keynote speaker, right? You do a lot of speaking. How did you get, where, where did you start off before you got in with John Maxwell and how did you get on the speaking tour and stuff? Yeah. So uh, I was a pastor for many years. So that was my experience in speaking, you know, every week, a different talk, uh, you know, 45 to 50 weeks a year doing that um, for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that really got me my start in practice and reps of, of getting up on a stage and, and having to communicate slash entertain uh, people and, and uh, share some information with them. Wow. Yeah. And that's, I mean, public speaking is one of the scariest things we can do, right? It, it ranks yeah. above spiders and snakes and darkness and death. <laughs> it's way up there at the top. Yeah. Um, but having to get up that often in front of people, like you said, communicate with them, get your point across to them, but also keep them engaged. Yeah. And especially when it's the same, the same crowd, um, you know, you can't, you can't use your same stories. You know, if you go to a different crowd every week, you can share the same talk, same stories. And, um, but when you're working with a a crowd kind of internally in an organization, you have to keep it fresh and, and really stay on your toes and, and, look around right and see the different things and pull pull illustrations out of um life on a regular basis so that was that was a big learning curve that's actually probably um the blessing and the curse really with myself is i like to change things up i like to modify it i like to kind of have my bullet points and know what i'm going to say but then um, tweak things a little bit, maybe based on the crowd or just the moment and and what I'm feeling. And, and so, um, like I said, that that can be a good thing at times, but sometimes you're experimenting on people and it doesn't go, uh, things fall flat yeah, and they don't resonate, you know, in the way that you'd like them to. That happens. But being up in front of, as, as a pastor, being in front of the congregation and seeing that things aren't hitting or connecting. Yeah. You learn to kind of on the fly, pick something else up and, and see if you can re-engage, right? Yeah, absolutely. Modify your approach and and uh, move on to the next point. Exactly. Um, analogies. What type of analogies do you like to use in your current speaking? Not necessarily just in the in the pastor role, but as your your speaking engagements now. What type of analogies do you use? Yeah, well, a lot of I like to use real stories with um, clients that I've had. I like to just stay current with with what's going on and and. Um, whatever topic I'm discussing, bring in the the freshness of a conversation I just had. For me, that's exciting, right? For me, that that makes the speaking engaging and exciting. And hopefully that's transmitted to the listener that they hear while this is going on. Obviously, you know, um, uh, the names and the organizations are kept out of those stories to protect the people um, <laughs> that, that I'm talking about. But um, but yeah, I love to share real life. This is what th- these are the challenges that you know a leader is is um, struggling with right now. I've heard this in four conversations over the last week, and so this might be something that you're you're encountering right now, or you might encounter in the future. And so, 
really keeping it fresh like that. Other than that, I talk a lot about my kids. I think okay. probably the greatest leadership challenge is, uh, you mm-hmm. know, leading my family, uh, yeah. my outside of myself <laughs> sure. is, um, leading my family. I got five kids, um, 18 to six. And so I'm in the thick of it. You know, we're going to have, we calculated it and we're going to have three teenagers, um, at any given time for like the wow. next 12 years or something like that. So, wow. yeah. so, you know, navigating that it's, it's, um, I know how to raise little kids. That's pretty easy. Um, teenagers, it gets a little more complicated and you do have to, um, use those influence skills, persuasion, um, cast a vision for what, what you're trying to do, why you're doing it. Um, the give and take that every leader has to encounter with their teams uh, on a daily basis. And so I talk a lot about, about my family as well. I could talk about, you know, stories from years ago, but I just don't think that those are, you know, as relevant, um, from when I was in an operation, you know, and I, I was, I was running an operation. Um, that's where all of my methods come from, but, um, those methods have been translated and and taught to my clients. And then I get the feedback on how they've worked uh, those methods and and techniques have worked with my clients. So absolutely, that's where I like to to hang out. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's an easy analogy for people to pick up because uh, you know, you always hear businesses saying, Oh, we're like a big family. Okay. Most Mm -hmm. families are dysfunctional, (laughs) you know, and (laughs) when you have a teenager who's fighting back, they probably have employees who are doing the same thing you know, Absolutely. testing their boundaries, right? Pushing against the, the envelope and stuff. So I think it works. You've worked with a lot of big companies too. Chick-fil-A, Colonial Bank, Humanity, uh, yeah. Habitat for Humanity. Yeah. yeah. I've right. been very fortunate to work with um, some some big brand names mm-hmm. um, out there. And uh, primarily I do work with the individual operators. So I work with um, how Chick-fil-A is structured is they're, they're not exactly a franchise. They, right. they have operators. And they're small business owners. They have anywhere from 150 to 250 employees. Um, and and that's really my sweet spot. You know, 50 to 400 employees is where I kind of hang out. Even Habitat for Humanity, um, they have local um, uh, organizations, local, local. Um, I can't think of the word right now, but um, individual outfits for local areas. Mm-hmm. And that's how they operate instead of one giant um, uh, corporation, they really operate on a, on a local level to meet the needs of their local area. And so being able to do some training with those, um, companies and a number of other, uh, just fantastic companies. And, and it's a blast. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's interesting to see kind of the challenges, um, and and the, the freedoms that different organizations like that have, you know, when you, when you, uh, when you operate not like a pure franchise, like a McDonald's or something like that, where this is how we do it, this is everything, uh, or as Chick-fil-A is more like, this is this is the product, yeah. but the team and how you lead your organization and how you develop leaders and how you do all that is up to you. Um, that's, that's a lot of fun because then there's some freedom in there where I can work with different operators and every single one of them, every single one is completely different. Sure. Um, in how they approach things, um, but they all serve a great product. So yeah, it's been great working with these companies. Nice. So when you work with these leaders, what are they struggling with? What is it they're they're missing or or um, haven't quite got on board? What what is it that you're helping them with? Yeah, I think the number one item that comes up, uh, and I I believe it's the foundation of all soft skills is communication. Um, communication tends to be the biggest challenge. You know, people go into the work environment. We talked about family earlier. People go into the work environment and they bring in the communication style many times of their home. Yes. Um, unless they've been mentored or or um, gone through training. Otherwise, they bring in the communication of their home. So if the communication of their home was, um, if I'm upset with you, I totally um, give you the, the, the silent treatment, Mm -hmm. then people walk around on eggshells wondering what did I do wrong in that organization? If you're a yeller, then, you know, you blow up on people and they, you know, your team knows that from time to time, they're going to yell at us. And, you know, the leadership is going to yell, whatever the case is. So people bring that into the organization and more often than not, um, people, uh, don't know how to, 
balance truth and grace is kind of how I've termed it. Mm. The truth of the situation. Hey, this is where you're at in the organization. This is this is what's going on. But let me do it in a way that's um, grace-filled, meaning there's hope for the future and I'm behind you and I believe in you and I want to, I'm going to help you get to where we need you to get. Um, it's either one or the other. It's, um, I, I just want everything to be, you know, everybody to be happy and everything to be peaceful. So I never, um, really hold people accountable. I just say nice things to them and we're subpar. And then there's the other where there's the driver leader that's on the other extreme. And they, they tell people, they give a pe- they give people a piece of their mind on a regular basis but people feel dejected, they're down, they never feel like um, uh, they measure up. There's, there's, I had this in Costco, and I've seen it a lot in organizations. Um, they actually articulated it when I, I helped open a location with Costco in the Dallas area. And so we got all the corporate people to come in, all our leaders, and they said, let me, let us really cast the vision for what Costco is. And, mm-hmm. and I love Costco. I remember there to this day, it's a great organization. But um, one thing I, I don't agree with on the leadership is they said, if we don't, if we don't communicate with you, you're doing it right. We will only mm-hmm. talk to you when you're, when you're doing it wrong. <clears throat> and I thought, yeah. well, that really sucks. You it know, <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. why don't you tell me when I'm doing things the right way? Cause that, that kind of encourages me and, and makes me put my shoulders back and feel good about myself. And it helps me to repeat those yeah. things that I know I'm doing right. And, Absolutely. and I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because that, that happens a lot is managers have those key employees that are just phenomenal at what they do. And they ignore them thinking, oh, they've got it under control. I don't need to talk to them. Well, that person then feels, well, what I'm doing, is that not enough to get your attention? Yeah. What else do I need to do? Or maybe I'll just never get your attention and they end up leaving. And the manager has no idea why, you know, you can't ignore those top employees. Yeah. Well, and if you, if you want to get into kind of, you know, pseudo psychology, (laughs) just uh, my, my, my version of psychology that I've, I've picked up of human behavior Mm -hmm. and people in in society that I've worked with, the people that are the high achievers, they, they do it for the accolades, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, so they're the ones they're looking for it. They, they, they want that positive feedback. Um, they're going to tell you they don't need it because they're tough and, and they're, they're driven, but if they find that they can get it somewhere else, um, then they're probably going to gravitate towards another organization. If, if they feel like they're going to get that, um, positive reinforcement, right. For the work that they're doing. Cause they feel like I'm working so hard or I'm picking up the slack for other people. Mm-hmm. And it, it looks like it, it's going unappreciated. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's a big one. Absolutely. No, I'm glad you brought that up. And yeah, in my mastermind group, we talk about uh, leadership is all about communication, right? If you're oh, yeah. a poor communicator, you're a poor leader. And you're right. I, and I said this once to, I was speaking to a group and the other people on the panel kind of look at me sideways. All co- coaching is life coaching, essentially, right? Because <laughs> yeah, if, you're, absolutely. if you're a bad leader, bad communicator, you're probably a bad communicator at home. You're a bad leader mm-hmm. at home. If, uh, if my parents were all into yelling, well, I learned to shut that out, right? Yeah. But if I go into a business and I start yelling at my employees, they're going to shut it out too. They're going to just stop listening because it all it's just all noise. Yeah. So you have to be able to, like you said, engage them, give them the the coaching and the encouragement, you know, but also show them there is a path here, you know, yeah. that we can we can get on and everybody will be happy. So mm-hmm. wow. Um, in, in some of the other topics you, you know, as a, as a, a keynote speaker and stuff like that, one of the things I, I read on your, on your website, or maybe it was on your LinkedIn profile, you talk about increasing sales in any market. That's mm-hmm. one of the topics. Uh, right now, people are concerned about the recession that's supposedly yeah. on the horizon coming at us. Some people say it's already here. It's already started. What can businesses do to increase their sales during a recession? Good leadership. <laughs> I mean, I, I really do believe that. And I'll, I'll case in point, um, had a client that came to me. They said, we want to increase sales by 20% year over year. Um, it was a Chick-fil-A. And that was the goal. That that was the only measure that I was going to be measured by. Um, success or failure in this one-year engagement with them was if they increase sales or not, period. Okay. Um, went in there, did leadership coaching. 
worked through stuff, um, did some life coaching along the way, like you mentioned, um, help people deal with some of their stuff. We saw uh, the marketing and catering person in this organization that was an all-star that really we were leaning on to get most of the sales increase decide uh, about a, a third of the way through the year that they no longer wanted to be a part of the organization left. My goodness, what are we going to do? Slot in a person that's never been in there in their twenties, never had the role, doesn't, doesn't really understand what they're doing and has to learn right mm -hmm. on the learning curve for the rest of the year. Had some key people um, take other opportunities all along this year. And we hit the goal 21% year over year uh, sales increase never did a sales talk, um, never, never talked about, um, how you can increase an individual order, you know, add bacon right. to that sandwich, supersize <laughs> it, you know, or anything yeah. like that. It was all around how can you better lead your team, communicate with your team, uh, gain more efficiency with your team, um, so that you can, uh, get more throughput, uh, throughout the organization. That's really what we focused on is leadership and they increase sales. And so while I do believe there are sales techniques and there are, there are things that you can do from uh, like an account management, that's really the, the sales um, style that I come from is, is really managing those accounts. So it's going to go back to communication. Sure. Um, it starts with, especially in a recession, it starts with the leadership being able to get the most out of the people that they have. And not in a manipulative way, but in a way that is, how can I cast a vision? How can I um, clearly articulate the priorities of the organization and make sure that every single person that's on my team is um, uh, working at max capacity uh, with their skill sets. I'm setting them up for success. I'm giving them the tools they need, and they're not being hindered by... Um, wondering in the back of their head, is my boss mad at me? Or um, wondering, am I doing the things that are going to advance the organization? So um, yeah, I mean, I've worked with mortgage companies. And you know, of course, they've got major layoffs right now with the interest rates climbing, um, you know, doubling, we never have seen that in a in a year before where the interest rates doubled. And so that is is scary. And And the thing that's going the organizations that will still be here uh, a few years from now, I believe are going to be the organizations that have great leadership. Um, and they they know how to cast that vision of where they're going and, and, and be efficient um, with their team. So that's where I would focus first with, uh, with my team. If, if any organization out there is make sure you have that clear communication and, and that's gonna help you increase those sales. And the clear vision, absolutely. Yeah. So tell me about your book, The Executive Leader's Handbook, A Guide for Daily yeah. Challenges. Yeah. yeah. What did that so come about? Uh, yeah. So it, it's um, really it came about, I wanted to have a lead behind for my clients. Okay. Um, work with clients many times, you know, I have a, a goal like, hey, we want to increase sales by 20% this year. We reach the goal um, and, and maybe we don't need coaching the next year for the next goal. And really, it's not the best business model, Harlan, I'll tell you, but I do like to, I do like to kind of break down that, that barrier between my clients and myself and say, look, if you learn how to do what I'm doing with you, you can do this with your team. It's not, you know, I think, I think, um, the, I was just having a conversation with a client. Um, I think the weekly oversight meetings are highly underrated. Um, if you just spend 15, 30 minutes, 60 minutes a week on the calendar that you're going to commit to your leadership team, um, you'll know that your team is always, uh, they know what the priority is. They're going to be working on what, whatever the most important thing is for the organization. Um, you're going to have clear communication. You're not going to have all those conversations throughout the week, trying to put out fires because they know I have a meeting with um uh who i report to every single week mm -hmm. and um and, and that's when i can bring the items that i'm concerned about to them um anyways so I, I wanted to have a lead behind of the most common items that i see that i've had with my clients over the years and so i gave myself some rules with this book um it had to be um stuff that i had used in, in my own leadership um running operations, like I mentioned to you before, mm -hmm. but also um, 
I had to use these techniques or share these techniques with my clients. They've used them and they've gotten positive results from them. And, and that's that was kind of the test for them to make it into the book. And then the stories, the names and, and, and organizations are changed, um, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, the book is really three sections. It's it's about communication. First and foremost, communication and connection. How do you have those tough conversations with your team? Um, how do you cast a vision? Then it's into organizational leadership. How do you have a meeting? Um, I've been through, and I'm sure you have been through a, a lot of just poorly led meetings yes. that are pointless. <laughs> Way too <laughs> and, many. Yeah. And they're on the calendar every week. So we just have to have them. Um, and that's not fair to your team. And then, um, so I talk about kind of organizational leadership. And then the final part is uh, really that mindset, personal growth, maybe maybe more the life coaching type stuff, because Many times I found, had another conversation with a client this morning that the, um, when we move into new opportunities, many times we handcuff ourselves, um, because we have added value a certain way, right? We get promoted because of, um, uh, because we're excellent at, at delivering results, mm -hmm. right? And that's kind of how we relate to, to our oversight, or our boss, and they go, wow, you're really good at your job. I'm going to promote you. And we have a, a tough time transitioning from I get results to getting results, right. uh, you know, through others. And um, our, many times it's up here where mm -hmm. that challenge is. We don't make that connection. And so we come in and, and we get worn out. And we're, we're not really getting results through others because we're jumping in and trying to do it all ourselves. And so a lot of that mindset stuff is really just making those transitions in a healthy way and recognizing, hey, the new way that I add value is by teaching others how to do what I do. And that makes me more valuable to the organization, not less valuable. Right. So, uh, so I talk about that in the book and, and it's, it's very much like a handbook. So just like you have your car. And, you know, if you've got a sensor comes up, um, you go, what in the world is that sensor? I don't, I don't know what that shape is or what is that trying to tell me? You open up the handbook, you find where that sensor is at. There's a couple pages of, of what you need to do. And then you go out and you do it. Right. Right. And the same thing with the book. Uh, it's not yes. meant to be read straight through. It's supposed to sit on your shelf. And when you have a problem with communication, you say, Hey, does Drew have anything to say on this topic? You read the three, four pages on that topic and you set it down and you go put in the, um, the, the practical steps that are in the back of the chapter. Nice. Um, you put them into practice, you try it out, you tweak it as necessary yep. um, for your situation, right? Because that's what coaching is all about. I mean, in a book, it's stagnant. I don't know the exact situation. I can give you some, um, some principles to put into practice, but um, in those coaching conversations, it's, it's all unique, right? And that's, that's why coaching is important. So anyways, that's what the, that's what the book's about. Very nice. Very cool. Yeah, I know uh, businesses who have found somebody that is really, really good at what they do, so they promote them without ever asking the employee, do you want to be promoted? Yes. A lot of people love to be the technician. They like to do, they like to be hands-on. Yeah. They don't want to manage people. They don't know how to get their point across. They're not good at training other people and things like that. And just because you're good at something doesn't necessarily mean you can train, right? Yeah. So I think it's it's important for businesses to talk to their employees, talk to them about, you know, where do you see yourself how would you like to grow within the company? You know, what do you yeah. really love to do? Make sure, was it Jim Collins? You want to have the right person in the right seat. Absolutely. So well, when you think about it, how many star athletes become coaches when they're done? It's it's few and far between. Yeah. Um, and and I think I've heard that maybe some of that's because it just comes so naturally to the just super highly uh, gifted um, athletes, they, they, there is the practice that's put in, but there's also a lot of feel involved. And if you aren't able to communicate, um, that, that feel or what that is that you have, um, then, then you're not going to be a great, uh, a great trainer to others in that, in that slot. So yeah, it kind of is a, a few different paths. Yeah. Very cool. <clears throat> so let's talk about courage. Yeah. Um, yeah. You work with a lot of leaders. Um, mm -hmm. 
and you've probably seen, because uh, that's how this podcast came together, uh, working with a client who's basically said, you know, I, I'm telling him, you have to have those difficult conversations. I know they're not fun. You have to do this. You have to have the courage to, yeah. to ask the questions, to challenge them, blah, blah, blah. And that's where this came from. He said, you know, basically, what does that look like? What does courage look like in a leadership position? Mm -hmm. um, so for you, the leaders you work with, um, what do you look for in a leader? You know, uh, I think a leader, um, a great leader uh, will carry a, a sense of confidence within themselves. I mean, we want to follow confident leaders. Why, why would I want to follow anyone that's not confident about where they're going? You know, that's, that's kind of, yeah. if it seems a little sketchy on where they're at, um, it makes it more difficult for me to follow them. So I do want confidence, but then I want that humility. So the ability for a leader to say, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, I messed yeah. up. I shouldn't have done that. I misstepped. It's the old adage, you know, your team knows you messed up. They just wonder if you know that uh, you messed up, right? Well, and if, if you're willing to admit when you make a mistake, they'll be more willing to, to admit when they make a mistake. If you hide it, it from them, they're going to hide it from you. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you, if you talk about, Hey, we want to be an innovative company, well, then you better be ready to, um, to make a lot of mistakes along the way, because that's what innovation is all about. It's mm -hmm. about striking out eight times and, and maybe hitting it once or twice. Right. So, um, you're absolutely right. You've got to be willing to, uh, how you handle that is, is huge. So yeah, I think those pieces are, are two of the biggest pieces. If you can, if you can manage that, you can learn the communication stuff. You can learn, um, how to have the conversations, but that, um, almost kind of what, what you're putting out there, what you're projecting, um, some, some confidence in yourself, not arrogance, but confidence, right in that balance. And then humility, um, that you don't think you, you are the end all be all, but you, you're a work in progress. Exactly. No, love that. Um, so we talk about different types of courage, right? Intellectual courage, courage to set aside your long held beliefs to make room for brand new knowledge. Mm. Um, even if it's coming from a subordinate, right? Because yeah. sometimes they have better ideas than you do. You have to be okay absolutely. With that. Um, uh, we talk about uh, moral courage, empathetic courage, right? Being able to set aside your, your emotions to make room for somebody else's. What type of courage do you think is most important for a leader? Gosh. Um, yeah, I think, I guess you would categorize this as, um, empathetic courage, but really that, that courage to, um, to hear others out, to open yourself up to the team. What I've seen a lot of times with, uh, small business owners is they don't share information. Um, and it's, in their minds, it's, it's kind of a fear thing. I don't know if, if maybe they have an experience that they've shared information before and they got burned. And so they just don't share any information, but you'll have a hard time getting your team to follow you if they don't feel like they understand where you're going or why you're going, where you're going. Um, but you're just kind of dictating down. This is, this is the new policy. This is a new thing. Do what I said. Yep. Um, so the, the courage to really be vulnerable in that way, Put yourself out there and and say, um, this is what's going on. I'll, I'll give an example too of this with the pandemic. I had a leader come to me, and um, I know this person just loves his team, um, and and was doing everything possible to make sure that they could feed their family when you know we're in that initial two weeks. And what do we do? And it's it's very scary for everybody. Um, and he asked, you know, what, what do I say to my team? And I said, you tell them that you have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow <laughs> or, or because you've never been through a pandemic, but every day you're doing everything you can to make sure that you can keep the lights on for the business okay. and get a paycheck to everybody. And that is when you wake up till you go to bed, that's what you're focused on. And I said, and they'll be okay with that. Yeah. They'll actually really appreciate that. And, um, 
And so he did that, but that, that takes courage, right? To, to just say, I don't know, you know, I'm yeah. doing everything I can, but I have never experienced this before. And, uh, but what's funny is for the most part, people don't think about saying that, but it makes total sense, right? It to does. say that. <laughs> but a lot of times the boss thinks they have to be the smartest person in the room. They have to have all the answers. People look at them to have all the answers. You don't, yeah. I don't have the answer. You know, like yeah. I said, this is something brand new to me. I've never lived through this before. So we're, we're, we're working together. You know, mm -hmm. I'm going to do everything I can. Here's what I need you guys to do. And, and we'll get through it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you get so much buy-in from the team when you put yourself out there like that. And they go, this is a real person. This is someone I can follow. This is someone I can get behind. I know that, that they're doing, I really believe them that they're doing everything they can to help me. And they're, they're not just trying to, um, you know, take care of themselves. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, that's a big thing when it comes to, when it comes to courage. Nice. And so uh, I always ask people, where do you find your courage? I mean, being a pastor, getting up in front of a congregation consistently is, yeah. is can be scary for some people. Public speaking is scary for people. Writing a book, yeah. putting yourself out on a limb out there is scary. Yeah. Um, but you did it. Where did you find yeah. your courage? Yeah, um, I would definitely, you know, say that that I lean on my faith for courage um, uh, in, in just life experience. Um, one of the most courageous experiences um, that, that I dealt with where and I guess this is the thing, you know, there are times in your life where you can you can step out in courage or you could you could shrink back in fear and kind of wave the white flag and people will say you know what it's okay because they were in a really tough spot sometimes there are, there are opportunities where people would just kind of give you a pass on quitting yeah. and and say you know they they were up against it and so i don't blame them for that and i had an experience like that with um a church that i started in uh, santa barbara california and we had spent an entire year laying the groundwork, getting a team together to um, to start this church. And my younger brother had moved out uh, to California to help us. And um, we're there. We have the first service. I mean, it goes amazing, and and it was fantastic. Um, we have the second service wasn't as amazing. <laughs> we had all these technical difficulties, and uh, you know there were some some problems, but such is life. And, uh, and then Wednesday night, I, we had our meeting with our leadership team and the, the support team, and then, uh, dropped my brother off at, uh, his home. And then the next day we were planning on going up the coast and just kind of, uh, you know, this has been a buildup for a year. Let's go up the coast with my family and, uh, just take a day off and then we'll come back Friday and get ready for the weekend. And so, um, we left out Thursday and, uh, came back Friday, back into town and uh, I get a call from my dad and, you know, I pulled over the car to just tell something was not right. Oh, right. And, um, and he says, uh, you know, Drew, your, your, your brother's gone. Evan's gone. And um, I just, no, you know, it's that whole, you, you, you just right. think, no, I just saw him, you know, 36 hours ago, I was just uh, dropping him off at his house and he only lived one exit down the freeway from me. And I you know, talked to my dad for maybe five minutes. I think he had to go to talk to my sister. And um, and so I said, well, I'm going to go by his house. I just, you know, in my mind, this had just happened. Yeah. And I got to his house five minutes later. And I was greeted. He he lived in uh, with a couple other guys. And uh, I knock on the door and they come out and they say, I, I say, Where, where's... Evan, they say, you know, he, he, he passed away this morning. You know, the paramedics came early this morning and, uh, and took him mm. and kind of explained to me, you know, freak accident, slipped in the shower, broke his neck. And, um, you know, just immediately 25 years old, passed away and, wow. um, 20, well, 26, um, and, and they give me the story in about 10 minutes and I'm just in shock. And, and they say, well, since you're here, you know, do you want to go ahead and take his stuff <laughs> and and you know 20 minutes later i've just packed all of my younger brother's earthly possessions in the back of my suv and uh i'm driving down the road 
two and a half weeks in on this, this church plant. Um, and I'm going, this whole starting a church thing was already bigger than I could have. That, that took a lot of courage, you know? Yeah, yeah. And now I have to deal with the loss of my brother and, uh, in this whole thing. And I just pulled over on the side of the freeway and, you know, just, just said a prayer and it's like, this is too much God. Yeah. You know, I just can't, I can't handle this. And, um, I just felt like I heard back, um, you know, a passage out of the Bible kind of resonated with me and, uh, basically said, my grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And, and, and the thought that came to mind was just, just go forward and and do the next thing. And the next thing was to, I hadn't even told my wife or kids wow. that, um, that my brother had passed their uncle. Um, and so the next thing was that, and, and really when I think about courage, it's that it's not this huge plan. You know, if I get your listeners, if they, if they want to kind of put to put together a plan, whether they're a person of faith or not, whether they want to put together, if they want to put together a plan for being courageous, it's just about the next thing. Yeah. If that next thing is a conversation with uh, an employee, um, a a tough conversation, then practice it and then Mm -hmm. go have the conversation. And, um, you don't have to have this massive plan of what you're going to do. You just have to do that next step. And, um, and that's, that's, I think courageous leadership is really doing the next thing that needs to be done. And then the next thing after that, and the next thing after that, and the next thing after that. And so, yeah, as scary as it is, as, as difficult as it is, you got to keep going. Yeah. And I, I gave a speech a, a while back about, um, being the pilot in command, I'm a private pilot. Um, so being a pilot in command means you have control of the airplane, right? Mm. And they say during whatever's going on, number one thing is maintain that aircraft, keep flying, yeah. whatever happens, because you owe that to everybody else on the plane, everybody else around you, everybody else on the ground, keep flying. Yes, yeah. you're scared. Yes, things are happening. Yes, you may be, you know, out of your, out of your wits, but you got to keep going. You got to keep yeah. doing what you need to do keeping it simple, right? <laughs> right. Just keep do that next thing that you have to do. That's so, that's so good. And I, I talk about it in the book. Um, but there was an experience when I was 16 or so. Um, I don't know why we did it. No cell phones, you know, but we went cliff jumping and, mm. uh, didn't tell my parents, they found out like when I wrote the book, but, Oops. um, we went, <laughs> we went cliff jumping in Sequoia national park in California and, uh, about two hours away from home, we'd go up there, the ice would melt and, and you could jump, you know, 40 feet down into these, uh, the snow melt rushing water in the summer. It felt great. But the first time I did it, you, you kind of navigate across this rock face on your toes and you're, you're going across this and you're getting up to about the 40 foot spot. And then you almost slide down a rock into a platform and that's it. You're on that platform. You can't go back. There's yeah. no going, you can't climb up this, this rock slide. And I was there and I had, when I was about eight years old, I'd gotten stung by a bee, had allergic reactions, swole up while mm-hmm. I'm standing there. And I'm like, you know, trying to get the guts to jump off. And this big old bumblebee starts flying around me. And I'm like, Oh gosh, you know, this, this is scary because uh, I don't have a shot with me. I'm two hours away from civilization this is not good. And I didn't have the courage to jump, but I did have the courage to step off and let gravity go to work. Right. (laughs) And that's what, that's what I share with people. You know, sometimes you don't have the courage. Some people say jump and let, you know, build your wings on the way down, you know? Well, sometimes you don't have the strength or the courage to jump and you just need to step off and let gravity take over. And, um, that doesn't mean, uh, you know, crashing the plane, so to speak, but it does mean, uh, just, do the half step that you have to, to get to the full step of whatever that, that next step of courage. And sometimes it's, I've been in organizations where I was going to change the name of the, the department that I led. And I thought this was going to be a catalyst for some things that we're going to do. And it's going to help with the, the vision of where we're, we are going forward and got all this pushback on it, but I knew that was the courageous step. And it's scary because sometimes with, with courage, it doesn't work out. You know, you make the bold step, you make the courageous step and it doesn't work out how you thought, but that's leadership is leadership. I believe lawyers practice um, law, doctors practice medicine, leaders practice leadership. And, and we're out here, we're, we're trying um, as long as we're not, 
you know, trying to hurt people or um, uh, do do them wrong. Uh, it's not illegal, immoral, or unethical. Then uh, you know we can try these different ways of of doing things, and um, and I think that's all just part of leadership. Yep. Absolutely. Very cool. So do you have any people working for you or are you a solopreneur? I don't. I'm solo. Yeah, I'm solo out here coaching and and uh, have some people doing little things for me. Um, but but yeah, me and, and some automation tools. There you go. But you've led teams before. Right? I have led teams. Yeah, right. definitely. In the church at Costco, um, I've led. And so that's that's the bulk of my leadership experiences. And I think nonprofit, you know, if I do mm -hmm. say so myself, is one of the hardest because you sure you don't have a paycheck right volunteers, you, absolutely yeah they're volunteers so you really have to cast that vision but i also think that it's the it's the best way to lead don't you don't want to leave from a position of um i'm your boss do this nobody wants to lead that way you no. want to cast a vision you want to say here's where we're going here's how it's going to benefit all of us here's what's in it for you yeah. um let's let's run and do this thing together and so um so yeah that's kind of but there's a whole nother set of leadership skills to motivate yeah. when they're volunteers. Yeah. You know, they're giving you their time. How do you get them to want to be there and give them their time and stuff? Yeah. Wow. Um, Absolutely. So if I was to bump into any of those folks that you've worked with and led before and ask them what type of leader you are, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? Um, well, you know, in, in the way that I've, let them all say, uh, just based on on the the feedback that I've gotten from clients that have worked with me for a while is um, the specific line that sticks out to me, I, I think is so interesting, from a very strong driven leader was Drew has a, a gentle way of helping, um, helping you understand the, the principles and the practices um, that will, that will equip you to better lead your team. And I think that that was powerful because many times we think these folks that are very driven and very strong personalities, um, they, they've really got this tough exterior, but at the end of the day, they, uh, they don't mind a gentle approach sometimes when it comes to them and, and kind of calling them out on some of the areas where they're not seeing, uh, things, but yeah, I think, I think that would come to mind, um, for some of the people that I've worked with, um, with other people that I've led, I've, I've actively been their leader in an organization and developed them, mentored them, help them, um, in their leadership roles today. Um, it would be just the equipping, you know, taking the time to equip them with the tools necessary um, and and being that sounding board to help them uh, grow their leadership and go to the next level. So um, I do care about them. I do care about my clients, um, even ones that that I don't work with anymore. I, I text from time to time. That's nice. uh, that's like I said, it's not the best business practice, but I do tell me how it's going. Did you guys, you know, get that new opportunity that you were you were working towards? And um, and they're always very gracious and, and give me credit that I don't deserve uh, along the way. But uh, but yeah, so so probably caring about them too would be would be part of it. I would hope. Very cool. Good stuff. You bet. So what's next for you? I mean, you've already, you've got the book, any other books in the works or anything like that? Yeah, you know, um, I'm, and I'm looking at a whiteboard kind of behind the camera over here. Um, I, I want to, because I want to reproduce myself and I can't coach everybody. So um, a model, something I'm working on called the Hero Maker Model, which is a model for developing other leaders. And the idea is if you've ever worked for a, a great leader, um, they're really you kind of look at them like a hero. And if you've worked for a bad leader, you definitely look at them like a villain yes. <laughs> in your life. And so that's kind of where it comes from. But equipping people with the skills to mentor a person through a process, but that process doesn't end until the person that was mentored leads somebody else through that process. And yes. so they become a, a hero maker in that, in that process. And then a leadership development operating system. So um, you know, you think about some of the, the organizations that I, I mentioned earlier that are great and known for leadership and known for um, uh, their making leadership a priority in their organization. Um, 
but that doesn't mean that they have a system or a process for doing that. And so a lot of small businesses I've found, they don't have a structure for how they're going to develop leaders. So every organization is developing that from scratch. Mm -hmm. And so I want to really create a system in that way where my book, like I said, is a handbook. It's not a system. It's, right. it's not um, something that you can, you can, you can mentor somebody through it and talk about the concepts, but it's not a system that gives you a, a predictable result every time. And that's really where I want to put my focus on uh, moving forward. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Everybody, every, I'm a big systems guy. So you talk about putting a system together and stuff that would definitely help businesses be able to plan yeah. and go. I'm not a big system guy, but I see the value in it. It's taken me time, but I definitely see the yeah. value in it. And, and so, uh, I, I, I have to learn it. You know, I'm kind of like the, it doesn't come naturally to me. It comes naturally yeah. to my wife. She's very efficient an accountant, but for my mind, um, it, there, there is a lot of just natural feel and uh, connection with others. And so, so yeah, it's, it's a learning curve for me. Good job. Very cool. All right. So if people want to learn more about you and get in touch with you, how can they do that? Um, do you have a website? Yeah, I do have a website, drewtjackson.com. Um, I'd love for people just to connect with me on LinkedIn though. Um, okay. and, and it's, you know, backslash Drew T. Jackson. Um, but also my book, you can get my book, uh, a PDF, uh, copy of my book, absolutely free. Your listeners can get it um, at, at the executiveleadershandbook.com and they can download it for free. Obviously you can get, you know, a soft copy or a hard copy on Amazon and, and get that sent to you um, if you want the, the um, physical copy. But I tell people, I, this is what I do. Hey, if I can get a PDF version or or something like that to see if I even or an audio version to see yeah. if I even want the physical version. I usually do that first, and and so I want to make that available to people, and and they can get that at the executiveleadershandbook.com. Very cool, excellent. Yeah. All right, I will have all those links in the show notes. Links Perfect. to the book, link to your uh, LinkedIn profile, thank and you, and also to your website, drewtjackson.com. Drew, thanks so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was a great conversation, Harlan. Absolutely. And we'll do it again. And if you, uh, you want to talk about systems, call me. We'll talk about systems. All right. Deal. All right. Listeners, hope you guys are taking a lot of notes. A lot of good information here. Definitely check out uh, the book, The Executive Leader's Handbook, A Guide for the Daily Challenges of Leadership. And check out Drew's website, drewtjackson.com. And hope you guys appreciated this. Make sure you share this uh, episode with your family, friends, colleagues, and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan Singh. So long for now.